This message I have titled Union with God. And friends, I must confess to you that this has uh, been a subject that is very dear to my heart, um, yet also in a lot of ways a very challenging uh, attempt to craft some kind of message um, regarding this subject, because I believe it is very um, holy and very deep in the Lord's heart. Um, and, uh, and the reason I actually have so many books up here is because I feel like other people have articulated it um, in a much better way than I could come up with. Um, so I'll be reading from some of those uh, folks to you tonight. Um, but uh, in this overall series, we've been talking about encounters with God, different types of ways that he meets us. And then last week, some practical uh, spiritual exercises, if you will, to uh, engage your heart in the presence of God. Um, and if you follow me on Twitter, at um, Matt Esquivel, um, you'll, uh, I posted a couple of other ways to pray the scripture, so check that out if you haven't um, yet. Um, but uh, friends, something that's really important in this series that I have emphasized um, each week and that I will emphasize again is that this series is not merely about, how, about cool experiences with God. Though there are really cool experiences with God that are available, that he wants for us, um, that I hope your appetite has been wet for over the past few weeks. Um, this series is also not about merely teaching you to pray, um, though that is very essential in each of our lives. And I hope that that's something that uh, you walk away with and that this has fueled your life, your prayer life. Um, but uh, this is about union with God. This is about becoming one with God. This is about the Spirit of God taking possession of our spirit, soul, and body. This is about being renewed into the image of Christ. This is about being humanity in its most alive expression. Irenaeus of Leon, uh, third century, uh, I'm sorry, second, second to um, late second century, um, early third, I believe. Um, I'll have to check those dates again. An early church father uh, wrote that the glory of God is humanity fully alive. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who knows how to pray through us, who knows how to move through us, who knows how to ask things that we don't even know that we need, and that knows how to fashion in us that desire for what we are created to experience. I ask that you would strengthen us, Father, right now with power through your Holy Spirit in our inner man that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that we would be rooted and grounded in your love, and that we would comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory now and forever. Amen. Hmm. It's one of my favorite prayers in all of Scripture is that Paul is praying over the community in Ephesus to be strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit in the inner man in such a way that opens our hearts into a greater experiential revelation of the love of Christ. The love of Christ is something that is not merely explained or taught. The love of Christ, it surpasses, surpasses um, intellectual knowledge. Though God does touch our mind and he does give us understanding, he fills our understanding with light, as it says in Ephesians 1, 17. Um, but there's an experiential element to the love of God where we start to encounter the love of God in our innermost being in such a way that prepares our soul to be a habitation of God. 
And friends, that end of that prayer of God being able to do far beyond all we can ask or imagine, we need Holy Spirit tonight to stretch our ask and our imagination. Because God loves when we ask. God loves to hear our voice. God loves when we raise up a cry to him because he loves to meet our needs. But friends, God has given us the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God like no one else does. And things that were formerly hidden in the heart of God from age to age to age are now being made known by the Holy Spirit who is deposited on the inside of us and who has renewed our inner man. And the Holy Spirit prays and groans through us when we know not how to pray. So Holy Spirit, we ask for you to ask through us the things that we did not know were available to us tonight. And that you would lift our hearts and catch us up into the heart of the Father. Amen. St. John of the Cross was a Carmelite monk um, in the Middle Ages. He was a good friend of Teresa of Avila, who I've mentioned a few times. Um, And he wrote some powerful works on this subject of union with God. And the thing to know about these mystics that I've been telling you about is though they often talk about prayer and different types of experiences in God, their central cry and invitation to their readers is this union with God. This is an excerpt from the Book of the First Monks, which is it's a medieval Carmelite work. And as a Carmelite monk, this is the life that Uh, St. John of the Cross would begin to have vision for. The goal of this life is twofold. One part we acquire with the help of divine grace, very important, through our efforts and virtuous works. This is to offer God a pure heart, free from all stain of sin. We do this when we are perfect and in cherith that is hidden in the charity of which the wise man says, charity covers all sins. The other part of the goal of this life is granted to us as a free gift of God. Namely, to taste somewhat in the heart and to experience in the soul, not only after death, but even in this mortal life, the intensity of the divine presence oh my gosh. and the sweetness of the glory of heaven. This is to drink of the torrent of the love of God. <laughs> it is in view of this double end that the monk ought to give himself to the eremitic and the prophetic life. Friends, I've taken this quote. I've attached it to my life goal and my life vision (laughs) is that my goal in life is to offer God all of my heart, all of my soul and all of my strength. That God who gave himself for me, who took on flesh and bore the sins of humanity and nailed them to the cross, So that by his death, he could destroy the death that sin brought into my life and into your life. And that that corruptible nature of sin could be swallowed up in his resurrection life as he rose from the dead. And friends, Jesus, he rose from the dead. He ascended on high to the right hand of the Father in order to pour out his spirit into the soul, the flesh, the spirit of mankind. We love 
because he first loved us. And friends, I want to drink of these torrents. I want to experience somewhat, not only in the age to come, not only in the next life, but in this very life, the intensity of the divine presence, that the presence of God himself can come and flood every place in my soul, every wounded area, every stained area, every empty area that God could fill it with not an emotion, but with God. That God would fill us. That God would heal us. That God would remove the stain of sin. I want to drink of this river. I want to drink of this life of God. I want to taste and I want to consume everything that Jesus bled for. Beloved, I am purposely talking with the intensity of tone that you hear for two reasons. First of all, because this, my heart longs for this place in God that is available to us. And this continual drinking of the torrent of his love, of these rivers of pleasure, Psalm 36. And because I am trying to awaken your soul to what God has made available to you. Now, we talk about union with God. There is a union with God that comes to us by grace when we are united to Christ through faith. And I want to talk about that for a moment. Paul hits on this very frequently in, in his letter to the church in Ephesus. The book of Ephesians. Paul is, is talking to the church um, and, he, and he gives several images to them to talk about what Jesus has accomplished at the cross. That he starts opening up his letter telling them that they are the family of God. That they are those that have been adopted, predestined to adoption, and then receiving of the spirit of adoption, the seal of the Holy Spirit of friends of God, of God, of God coming in a human being, of God coming in a human heart, of God possessing a human soul, and bringing us into the family of the Father. And uniting us as one family under one God. Through one Lord, Jesus Christ, by one Spirit. And that's why Paul is praying, I pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation to, that you would know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance and in the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power for those who believe the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And then he goes on to talk, about we're not only the family of God, that we are the temple of God. We are the dwelling place of God. We are the habitation of God. And that we are being built up into this holy temple. That God's glory and majesty, he has his desire from the beginning is to live not in a temple made with human hands, but that to live in the flesh in the souls of human beings. We are the habitation of God. We are the dwelling place of God. And it is to this that Paul prays the prayer that I opened up with to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Because we have been united to him. We are also called the body of Christ. That we are knit together. That we are joined together to one head, Jesus Christ. Many members, one body. 
that by the shed blood of Jesus, the, 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 the stain of sin has been washed out of us. But not only, friends, it's not only the wrongs that we've done that are being erased. It is a cleansing and a removal of the nature of sin that even caused us to want sin in the first place. The desire for sin is being purged out of us by this living flame of love. To quote John of the Cross. And there's another image that Paul gives in Ephesians about our union with God, the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. God, from the creation of humanity, has sought to fashion a bride worthy of his son. And friends, it says in the scripture that when we join ourselves to the Lord, we become one. We become one spirit with him. But friends, there is also a walking out of conforming our minds and even our bodies into that of Jesus Christ, our bridegroom. And I'll touch on that latter part in a few moments. Um, we're familiar, renewing our minds, renewing our minds, renewing our minds. But friends, the, the thing about, oh, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Pray for Matthew right now. Jesus, help Matthew. Thank you, Chad. I'm going to read another quote. This is a quote from the Lord of the Rings, which I have also posted in my life vision statement. <laughs> the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, uh, Hopefully you've at least seen the movies, my friends. If you have not, please clear your schedule this weekend um, <laughs> and give yourselves to the gospel according to J.R. R. Tolkien <laughs> via Peter Wagner. And, um, Peter Wagner, Peter Jackson. Peter Wagner, he's the other church guy. Um, yes. Uh, so... In this particular excerpt that I'm about to read, it's like my favorite quote in at least this book of the three. Um, Frodo has just, uh, um, he's been running with his friends across the river. You remember the part where they're running from those big giant uh, dark hooded guys. They're called the ringwraiths, Nazgul. Um, and they run across the river and then the river starts uh, picking up and you see these images of horses start rushing and it completely just washes over these ringwraiths and uh, Frodo's going through like some kind of dramatic you know, episode um, and is taken into the house of Elrond um, and, uh, and he's recovering and he wakes up and he starts talking with Gandalf um, so this, this excerpt is from that conversation that, that little poor hobbit Frodo that's been stabbed by one of these ring rates is having with Gandalf the Wise. Um, Gandalf's talking about the elves, which all these little hobbits, they've just dreamed to see their whole life, these divine beings, um, the elves. Um, and Gandalf, he's, they're, they're in a discussion about the Dark Lord and how all of his you know, little uh, uh, orcs and uh, goblins are spreading across and his, his evil plan. Um, anyway, that's in a nutshell. Um, Gandalf is talking about the elves because in, in Rivendell, he says, here in Rivendell, there live still some of his chief foes, the elven wise, lords of the Eldar from beyond the furthest seas. So let me pause for a moment. In Tolkien's prequel... Um, to all of these books, the Silmarillion, he speaks of this uh, holy city that is created when the elves first come into being. 
And they're living in this city with these high God-like beings. Um, and, uh, and it's just beautiful. It's bliss. Um, and and it's, it's that Garden of Eden type of atmosphere. But it's beautiful and glorious. But then there's a rebellion. A lot of elves leave. And they go to, uh, they go to what's called Middle Earth. Just the kind of normal realm, um, if you will. That's not really what it is, but for understanding's sake. Um, Oh, you've got to read this book. Um, so they've dwelt in what's called this, this, uh, this blessed realm. And now they've come into the kind of normal realm. Okay, so. Lords of the Eldar from beyond the furthest seas. They do not fear the ring wraiths. Those big, dark, scary guys on the horses. For those who have dwelt in the blessed realm live at once in both worlds. And against both the seen and unseen, they have great power. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh, guys. If I could have just explained to you the magnitude of that statement. <laughs> because it is, it is these elven people that have dwelt in this blessed realm are now living in this earthly realm, but their memory is so powerful of that blessed realm that they're actually walking in both worlds at the same time. And it's given them great confidence and great power against visible foes and against invisible foes. And when I read this verse, it, it uh, just, my soul groans. <laughs> Because this is what the sons of God are. The sons of God are those that have been raised with Christ and seated in the heavenly realms. And that, friends, there is a heavenly realm available to us. And many of you, I'm sure, have heard testimonies of people that have experienced it, that have had some type of experience, whether in a vision or getting physically caught up into heaven um, and then telling about it. Um, and, and friends, and, and I've described a couple of experiences that I've had, but God is bringing his people into a place where we can live and walk in both realms at the same time. Amen. That it's not just about having a cool experience and then getting on with daily life. It's these experiences are orienting our soul to the realm that we are created for, which is the presence of God and the authority of God. It's beholding his beauty. It's being with him. Jesus, though he was walking the earth, spoke of himself as the one who is in the bosom, New King James, of the Father. That while Jesus Christ walked the earth as a human being, that he was walking in the heart of the Father at the same time. God's heartbeat was in the heart of Jesus at all times. And he was conscious of it. He was aware of it. God is taking us from a place of momentary experiences, which I don't want to downplay at all. Please hear my heart, friends. These are holy moments when the Lord touches us. But he is teaching us, including myself, how to rise out of that place and continue walking in this realm at the same time as we walk in the heart of the Father. This is a statement that I um, first heard from Gary Weens, who teaches on the Song of Solomon. And I say this when I teach Song of Solomon in Encounter, in Encounter Jesus School. This one phrase, very important, pay attention. Jesus Christ is the normal human being. Let's let that sink in. Jesus Christ is the normal human being. 
that Jesus came not only to reveal God to us, he came to reveal us to us. That Jesus is what humanity was intended to be like. One with the heart of God. Seeing God, experiencing God, loving God, and being filled with the intensity of the divine presence and the sweetness of the glory of heaven. John G. Lake is one of my favorite people to read. Early 20th century revivalist, often known for his healing ministry. But friends, I tell you, there was a, a cry in his heart much louder than seeing people healed and seeing demons cast out of people. Which friends, trust me, he hated sickness. He wanted to make sure that no one left his meeting sick. He would tell his teams, you, you keep praying for them. <laughs> you don't get healed, you come back. We're going to lay hands on you again. And just he was just so aggressive and violent um, against healing and demonic oppression. But he says in his sermon on baptism in the Holy Spirit, oh, please read it. Um, it is the greatest discussion of baptism in the Holy Spirit I've ever seen. Um, is that, that there was, for 10 years, he's walking in this powerful healing anointing and seeing demons come out of people powerfully, seeing, um, 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 uh, uh, he's laying hands on people with open sores and the, and the sickness and the, the ailment is leaving their body and not touching and affecting him. who is seeing physical manifestations of the divine light, of God's light, translucent bodies. <laughs> Similar to the transfiguration. But as, these, as people were getting healed, as people were uh, getting set free of demons, he said, there was still a cry in my heart for something more that my heart was not being satisfied with doing the works of Jesus. There was something else that cried out for this unity with God, for this union, this oneness with God. Um, and, and friends, that he, he's saying, I, I kept praying through this until the Lord hit me in such a way, I'm prayer, paraphrasing him, that just filled me with this sweetness and this tenderness of his presence that satisfied that cry of my heart. That, that, that a man who walked in such incredible signs and wonders, there's a yearning in him to be more conformed to the image of God and to taste of the intensity of the divine presence and the sweetness of the glory of heaven. So, we have been unified with God. by means of the shed blood of Christ, being washed and cleansed by his blood, but also being raised up into newness of life by the Holy Spirit. We cleansed from sins by the blood of Jesus, buried in baptism, and raised up to newness of life, Romans 6. That baptism, water baptism, friends, you've heard me talk about this, you know I'm really passionate about this, gotta get dunked. You've, because you bury the old nature, you sever it, you throw off that old man, and you say that, you throw off that old identity, you throw off the sin nature, and you get raised up clean. And then the Holy Spirit fills us 
and makes us a dwelling place of God, that we are unified with him in that sense. Um, so there is a unification by grace. But friends, there is also there is a union with God that we grow into. And it's it were, it's common for us. John Wesley was really important in, in using this terminology in its lasted sense. It's in scripture sanctification that we're being consecrated. We're being set apart, that we're constantly setting aside the, the former things. We're, we're forgetting what lies behind and pressing on to what lies ahead. We're, we're putting off the old man, that we're, that we're um, resisting the sin that so easily entangles. Um, and we're being conformed into the image of Christ and our minds being renewed. Um, uh, uh, the, uh, the Greek Orthodox Church, um, they, they talk about this primarily in terms of, of what's called deification, of being transformed into the likeness of God himself. That God's spirit, that we receive it upon our conversion, but that God's spirit is continually working in us in such a way that we're taking on the divine nature in increasing measures. That we are being conformed to the likeness of Christ. Not only outward, but that Holy Spirit is flooding every place inside of Matthew's soul and body. And that the cells in my body and the hairs of my head are carriers of the intensity of the divine presence and the sweetness of the glory of heaven. So, how do we get that? <laughs> Friends, uh, these books that I've been sharing with you over the past few weeks about the, these spiritual exercises, these forms of prayer, um, these are ways to, to position ourselves to experience the presence of God. We've, prayer is asking, prayer is petitioning, prayer is, 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 is seeking God, his help, or his resources, his power. Um, um, but prayer is more than that. Prayer is, is, I'm speaking with my dear beloved friend, Heather Lester, about this, and I love how she says that prayer is, the, is infusion, that we are getting infused with the presence of God in the place of prayer, that the prayer is an opening of our soul to the intensity of the divine presence and the sweetness of the glory of heaven. And that prayer is the place where we begin to fix our mind on Christ within. And uh, I, I've, I've already given you the spiritual exercises, um, so you can go back over that next week about ways to prepare. Um, Jian Guyon um, and, and Brother Lawrence give great practical ways on how to pray and how to deal with things like distraction, how to deal with temptation, how to, what if I sin? Does God still love me? Yes. <laughs> Short answer. Even, so even when we, and I want to say this, this is really important. Um, when we sin, whether in a minor or a major way, God forbid it'd be either, but you know, if it does, if we sin, friends, get back in to God's heart, into God's presence immediately. By faith. How do I do that? By faith. By faith, we enter the presence of God. By faith, we open up our soul once again and say, Father, fill me with the intensity of the divine presence and the sweetness of the glory of heaven. That's so important, friends, to confess sin, be washed by the blood of Jesus, be renewed by his spirit, and go right back in into fellowship and a relationship with the Father. So important. Um, but it's equally important to do that, and this is where Matthew is learning, in a rather painful way a lot of times, which Brother Lawrence says you should expect, um, so do not be discouraged or disheartened, um, is that not only when I sin, but when my mind drifts 
away from God within. That I am starting my daily tasks, opening up my soul. Holy Spirit, unite my heart to yours. I offer this time of studying to you. I offer this time of sending emails and writing financial reports. Oh, Lord. (laughs) And I direct my works unto the Lord. And then when I finish, thank you, Lord, that's over. Let's have a party. Um, (laughs) Those are just really practical things that Brother Lawrence says. um, that, That we're constantly trying to get our mind fixed on God and to behold the Lord within us. Um, But there's something I want to talk about even more um, is this purity of heart. Um, That we are offering God our whole heart. That we are aiming to live a life that does not offend God. I want to be clear, friends, because God is full of compassion. God is full of grace. He's full of mercy. He delights in showing us mercy. But my prayer is that God starts to touch your heart in such a way and starts to awaken his love for you in your heart in such a way that it is turning you away from that desire to do things that he doesn't like. And friends, there are things that God doesn't like because they hurt you and they hurt other people. Paul spends four chapters telling the church in Ephesus, you're the family of God. You're the body of Christ. You're the temple, the dwelling place of God. You are sons of God raised up in the newness of life. You are the bride of Christ. He's telling them all these things like, yeah, I'm feeling really good about myself. And then he opens up in chapter five, stop lying. (laughs) That's how the New Living puts it. Stop lying. And you're like, whoa, Christians lie. Um, Get rid of that speech the defiles, get rid of coarse jesting. Get rid of the things that tear people down. And friends, God loves showing us mercy, yet he also loves empowering us by his spirit, by his grace to turn away from those things. And friends, if there are habitual sins that you're struggling with, get help, get in community, get people that you confess your sins one to another and be healed. (laughs) But friends, I just want to put it real practically. And I want to be honest because this this place of union with God in such a way that I I read about this uh, of, of... of walking in this continual experience of God's presence and awareness of his presence. Maybe more at some times than others, which I think any of these writers would admit, um, but an awareness of it, a continual awareness of it that affects everything they do, the normal day-to-day. The thing I love about Brother Lawrence, and this is great for business people too, he's not telling you to go and spend eight hours a day in the prayer closet. He is saying develop time focused times where you practice his presence, but he says you, there are things that's just impossible not to do in the day-to-day life. What he's asking us to do is how we do our works. It is to be mindful of his presence within and to do those works unto the Lord. And then to refocus your mind on God within whenever your mind is distracted or moves away. And, and he says, it'll be difficult at first, but press in because it's going to be so good and you're going to have trouble even standing up, he says. <laughs> That's what he says. (laughs) Um, Holy Spirit, what was I about to say? Um, Friends, hear my heart. Um, 
it's, I see a lot of people that are really, truly hungry for the Lord. Um, and, and a lot of times, it's, it's not even those big, giant hurdles or maybe habitual sins that you're experiencing that's really keeping you from this place of awareness and consciousness of God and walking in both realms at once. Um, it's that thing that the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on, that little other thing. And we're just like, eh. Or our hearts are discouraged. Ah, no, I can't. I'm never going to overcome this. No, no. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, living flame of love, burn away everything that is destroying my life and that is keeping me from the fullness of God. And when we surrender our hearts to the Lord, friends, he takes that prayer very joyfully and very seriously. We say, God, I give you all. He sends his flame to consume all. And that is a very good thing. Um, so, I hope we continue this discussion in the future. But for now, I'd like us to stand. And what I want to do as we stand is this is a, and I can't force you to do this, so um, I hope you will, um, is, is a setting of our hearts to offering God a pure heart and to seeking to love him and to be pleasing to him. And then also the other end, to open our souls and say, God, I want to be filled with this intensity of the divine presence yeah. and the sweetness of the glory of heaven. I want this. I want this. I want this. Um, so, so, we're, so, so we're consecrating our hearts to God. We're asking for this. But friends, this, we, we're asking also for vision for what's available. Because there's so much more, God. There's so much more. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us your son. We thank you for his selflessness. His one that did not come to serve, but not to be served, but to serve. And to lay his life down as a ransom for many. God, I pray for the truth of what your son has done for us in laying down his life would strike our hearts deep to the core. That the love that he poured out on the cross would impact us deeply. And that God, that love that the Holy Spirit brings when he comes and he invades every part of our soul and body would fill us. God, give us vision for what is available. And we declare right now, this is not by might or by power, but by my spirit, that you would build us into a habitation of God. You would build us into a resting place. And God, right now, we offer our whole heart to you. I just invite you to, in your own words, as your heart prompts, uh, as your heart leads to tell, tell the Lord, God, I give you, I want to give you, I give you now my whole heart. I want to give you all of my love. God, we ask for your grace to walk in love as you have loved us. 
not only for God, but for those around us. Now we're going to pray the second part. And as we pray, open your soul. Open your soul to God. And he will fill it. So Lord, we open our souls right now. And we're asking to taste in the heart and in the soul the intensity of the divine presence and the sweetness of the glory of heaven. Come fill us now, God.